Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Today, as his wife, I was sat there thinking, what is he going to say? Will he drop me in it? But fortunately, he didn't. It is my privilege this morning to continue the series on relationships. But I want to talk into relationships in families and in children. Chances are in here that quite a few of us are parents. And therefore, we are in charge of parenting. It might be that actually you're not a parent, but you have a significant role to play in the life of a child. You know, you might be an auntie, an uncle, you might be a godparent, you might be a teacher. And if you've not got children or you're not responsible for children, it's probably that you are in a family. Now, it might not be that you're in the family that you were born into. It could be that you've been adopted into a family. It could be that this right here, your church, is your family. Do you know, today I plan with God's help to lay in some principles about parenting and about family life. But first of all, I want to disclose something. I need to say to you, I am not an expert in relationships, okay? I am not an expert parent. For those of you who don't know me, I've been introduced. I'm Helen. I'm one of the campus pastors here. And I'm married to Tim. He's my husband. That tells you that I have a relationship. And together, we are parents to Jack and to Ben. Jack is 22 and Ben is 19. Now, if you were to say to Jack or Tim or Ben, is your mum or your wife an amazing parent, an amazing wife? They would say, yes, she's brilliant, she's amazing, and that's because I bribed them. (laughs) No, I've not bribed them, that is not what you do with your children, okay? No, if you were to ask them honestly, they'd say, she's okay, but to be honest, she's still figuring some things out. Saying that, though, as a parent, I do have more experience than when the boys were first born. And as a wife of nearly 26 years, I've got more experience than what I had at the very beginning. As a daughter, a sister, a cousin, a niece, and not to forget a mother-in-law, I've learned things along the way. From making mistakes, from things that I've definitely got wrong. I've learned from what people have sown into me and helped me along the journey. And today I'm hoping to just teach into and impart some of the things that I have learned. Now, I don't want to burst your bubbles, new parents, but I want to say this. Parenting can be tough, okay? The sleepless nights when they're babies... The sleepless nights when they're teenagers, just looking at a few of mine over here. The worry, the anxiety that sometimes being a parent can cause. Family life can be tough too, can't it? It's not always great. But actually, if we input into them, good things come out of them. Investment brings fun, it brings laughter, it brings connection, it actually brings joy. It brings people that you can do life with. It brings people 
that you can, will fill you up when you spend time together. Do you know, when we were first parents, we were given some really good principles. And we've learned more principles along the way. And I want to impart some of those to you today. But I want to do it with the help of God's Word. You see, God's Word, the Bible, is our instruction manual for parenting and for family life. It can bring wisdom, encouragement, guidance in parenting and in families. And I'm going to do it with the help of three C's. You see, sometimes when we give you some points to take away, we can help you remember what's been said. So I'm going to give you three C's. Are you ready? Consistency, communication, and connection. I'm going to talk about consistency first. And the only reason I chose this is because when Tim and I were pregnant with Jack, Tim's dad said to us, let me give you something that you'll need for the rest of your parenting life. He said, you're going to always need to be consistent in the way you love your children. You're going to always need to be consistent in the way you discipline your children. You see, consistency, it brings boundaries. It brings stability. It actually gives children a sense of safety. So how about being consistent in the way you love your children and your families? Now, I've got to say, when Tim's dad first said this to me, be consistent in love. I didn't quite get it. You know, holding Jack and Ben, those little bundles of joy, all I felt was an overwhelming sense of love. Of course, I'd always be consistent with these precious bundles. But you know, when the terrible twos come, <laughs> when the tricky teenage comes, when the young adults who think they know better, I got to understand it. You always need to love your children, but there may be some times where you don't like the way in which they are behaving, the way in which they talk to people. You know, the time when Jack decided it'd be great to take a chunk out of his cousin's bottom. (laughs) Didn't particularly like that. And then a couple of years later, when Ben thought he'd give his other cousin a go and bit his arm, didn't particularly like that. You know, I want to say, actually, in front of the boys, I'm not going to share your stories because, actually, they're your stories. And we move on past things where mistakes have happened. There were many other times where I needed to show love, even though maybe I didn't quite like the way in which they were behaving. Even in their mistakes, even when I told them off, I always loved the boys. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. Now, Tim shared this last week in the context of marriage. I think he stole my notes because I'd already written this in. But actually, I want to share it in the context of parenting. Love, it's patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no records of wrongs. Love, it does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. You know, it's not just verses that are true in marriage, but it's so helpful 
in parenting and in family life. Out of love, we need to be consistent and we need to be consistent in our discipline. Children need discipline. That might sound a little bit old-fashioned. I want to tell you parents out there, you are the boss, not your children. Even if they tell, you tell your children off, they will still like you. Discipline, it just means giving direction, supervision, correction, training. The Bible tells us that discipline brings rewards. You know, if we haven't disciplined our boys, then actually there would have been times where they were unruly, unpleasant, disrespectful. How do I know? Because actually sometimes they behave that way. And therefore, Tim and I need to discipline them to show them the correction and the guidance that was needed. Discipline will vary from child to child. For one of mine, it was the naughty corner. For the other, it was the steps. But actually, sometimes all I needed was the look. Any parents out there have the look? I've got a few nods going around. So if it was like a minor thing, it would be... If it was... Lexi's looking at me now because she's had my look. If it was the big thing, it would be the big look. And if it was the really bad thing, it would be the teeth gritted with the look. And they would stop. Sometimes you only need the look. Hebrews tells us this. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It actually can be painful. But... It will bring a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Discipline, it can sometimes be upsetting. There were times when I've told the boys off and sent them to the rooms and they're upset upstairs and I've been upset downstairs. It's doing the good stuff to bring, it's doing the tough stuff to bring about the good stuff. And Tim and I needed to be consistent in our parenting too. So that if I said no to something, Tim would say no. If I said yes to something, Tim would say yes. Now, sometimes we may not have agreed, but we'd sort that out together, away from the boys. Consistency in our words, consistency in our yes and our no. Matthew tells us this, let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. Now, it is not always easy. And I am going to share a story from Jack, and I've asked him for this permission. Now, Jack, when he was about three or four, was obsessed by Lion King. And I might have told you some of this before. It was Lion King, and it was Narnia. He liked to be a lion. Now, I'm not talking occasionally. I'm talking often. So he would get into lion mode. get really serious and then I'm not going to do this he would get crawly if he had an opportunity to get a face paint job he'd be a lion or a tiger you know anything in that domain so we were going out to meet some friends at a play area and I said to Jack as we were in the car just about to get out I said Jack at this play area you are not to be a lion if you are a lion we will have to go home Now, as soon as those words came out, I thought, what have I done? You see, we were meeting his friends, 
but we were meeting my friends too because those friends were the parents. And so we were sat down having a coffee. I can remember it to this day. Having a coffee halfway through when I heard a little girl come down the slide shouting, Mummy, Mummy, there's a lion coming after me. (laughs) I prayed really quickly that there was another obsessive child in there that liked the Lion King. But I have to tell you, because I looked around and there was Jack coming down the slide in full-on lion mode. I said to my friends, I'm so sorry, but we're going to have to go home. I was halfway down my coffee. But you see, I'd said to Jack, if he was a lion, we'd have to go home. And he was a lion, so we had to go home. What did it teach me? It taught me, be careful what you threaten. What did it teach Jack? Well, he taught him that what she says, she means. You know, a yes is a yes and a no is a no. And so we went home. But what does that carry through to the rest of their lives? Well, it says, you know, when I say we can trust in God, we can trust in God. When I say God is faithful, he is faithful. When I say he is a firm foundation, boys... He is a firm foundation. It's being consistent. And that is the same in other relationships. When you've said to your family, you'll help them, help them. When you've said to your friend, you'll meet them for coffee, meet them. Let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. Honestly, sometimes it's easier to say no. But actually, sometimes we have to give the power of the yes. Be consistent. Galatians 6 Verse 9 tells us this, don't grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap a harvest. Be consistent in your word and in your deed. So how about our words? Well, our second C is communication. Communication is vital in all relationships, and I hope you'd agree with that. But a sad fact is that in 2023... Most relationships broke down due to communication. Now, I'm a little bit of an irritating mum and an irritating wife, I'll just admit it. There were times when I knew there were things on the boys' minds and I would say to them, what's wrong? I'm fine. fine." Mum, I'm fine. Then it'd be like, Jack, what's wrong? No, I'm fine. But you know when you know, sometimes as a mum, you know when things aren't quite right. And so I'd be a little bit persistent. That's what I mean. I was a bit irritating. I was like, no, there's something on your mind. Come on, come on, share it. There were even times where I sat on the boys' beds and I was like, I'm not moving until you spoke to me. That sounds a little bit excessive, but it's because I knew the boys and I knew that it was better not to keep it in. And I encouraged them to talk and often they would. And then we could process what it was that was on their minds. Communication, it's important. Talking to your children, letting them share their experience and what they're going through with you is important. But it's not just listening. It's not just talking, it's also listening. Not listening to respond, but listening to understand. The Bible gives us some great advice that will benefit all relationships. Listen to this in James 1, 19. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become 
angry. Can you imagine if this Bible verse was at the heart of every relationship? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Parents, can I say to you, be quick to listen to your children. You know when they're small and they're telling you really, really small things that maybe not be interesting, maybe the things about who said this and she said that, listen to them when they're small. You see, as they get older, they'll still tell you things and they'll tell you the big things. It's the same in our adult relationships. It's important to take time to listen. It can really make people feel valued. It can make them feel heard. James said, be slow to speak and consider your words. You know, as a mom, I did not always get this right. Coming home from a parent's evening, coming through the door, I've got to say I was not slow to listen when it wasn't the good report. I was quick to talk and I was quick to get angry. But actually, I'm learning that it's so much better, so much better to take note of this verse. Be quick to listen, be slow to speak and slow to become angry. You know, Jack got married last year and my memory of him growing up started to change. So I forgot about all the good bits and all I could remember were the bits where I'd shouted at him. And I actually said to him, Jack, I'm so sorry if I was a shouty mum. And he said, mum, you weren't. But it was just my memory. It had started to change a little bit. And then he said, to be fair, mum, the times where you did tell me off, the times where you did shout at me, I probably needed it. I've learned along the way to be much slower to speak, to be much slower to become angry. Our words matter. Listening, talking, all valuable. You know, there's a saying, which everybody will know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is an absolute load of rubbish. Our words are powerful. So I want to say right now, be careful what you're labeling your children. You know, I hear sometimes that they'll say, oh, they're a worrier, or oh, they're always naughty, or they are always in trouble, or they're a trouble causer. We've got to be careful with what we're labeling our children. There's a story in the Bible called the prodigal son, labeled this way because he chose to leave home. He took his inheritance from his father. He went off and he had some wild parties. He lived his life for a little bit. He ended up in a worse situation. And then he came back home to his father who celebrated him. He mended his ways, but actually we still know him as the prodigal son. He's been labeled that way. How about we label him instead as the teachable son? There's a difference. Our tongues are powerful. Listen to these Bible verses. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, Wise words satisfy like a good meal. Who likes a good meal? The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap consequences. And then Ephesians 4 and 29, it says, Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 
We should be saying to our kids what God says about them. Psalm 139 verse 14 tells us that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. Our children, our families need to know this. Words matter. Words bring encouragement. Words bring guidance. Words can bring compassion. We need to easily forgive as well. We need to easily show forgiveness. You know, there's times where I got things wrong, and so I said sorry to the boys. And there's times where the boys have got things wrong, and they've said sorry to us. There's power in that word sorry, but there's also power in forgiving people. Colossians 3.13 actually says, bear with each other, forgive one another, If any of you is a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. It's not always easy to say sorry, and it's not always easy to forgive. But there's many of us in here that are Christians, and therefore you are a child. You're a child of God. And he's forgiven us of all our wrongdoing. How powerful is that? It's important sometimes as well to forgive ourselves when we mess up. Communication, powerful thing. It enables connection. Connection, how are you connecting with your families? How are you connecting with your children? There's one way in which you can do that, and it's quite easy. It's to make time. In the context of being parents, kids grow up really, really quickly. It feels like yesterday that Jack was born, and now he's married. A family can live together, but live very separate lives. It's important to make time to connect. You've got to be purposeful. Time together unites you. It builds your relationship. There's a couple of things that worked for us, and I'm just going to share them with you now. We, as much as possible, decided that at tea time we would eat together. There are a few sayings out there. A family that eats together stays together. A family that dines together, shines together. Now, I'm not sure what food they're eating, but I would say it's maybe something a little bit greasy. Listen to this research from Harvard University in 2020. Regular family dinners are associated with lower rates of depression, anxiety, substance abuse, eating disorders, early teenage pregnancy. And what it does do when you do eat together It brings higher rates of resilience and higher self-esteem. Being at the table, it's more than eating together. It's about talking together, connecting together, having fun together, laughing together. We would also prioritize our dinner time sometimes for Bible time. That was important, to be around the table and to share God's word And then how about, if that's not going to work, making sure you have family nights together, which is sometimes what we did. Bringing the duvets down on a Saturday night, eating treats in front of the telly, just a time to come together and connect together. And this, this is one thing that we would always do. Every week, we connected by going to church as a family. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, Start children off the way they should go, And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Our rule was, while the boys lived under our roof, they would come to church. Did they always want to? Probably not. Did they get a choice? No. 
Are we fortunate our kids are still in church? Yes, we are. Especially at one tea time when Ben said he was interested in becoming a Buddhist. True story. (laughs) But fortunately, with one married and one still at home, they are still in church. And I want to say, I know this is not everybody's story. And there's way better parents out there than Tim and I. It might be that you brought your child to church every single week and they have made their own decision now. Can I encourage you? Do not give up praying for them. Do not give up believing for them. I have the complete opposite. You see, my dad trained me up to be in church and his parents trained him up to be in church. And then, this is really sad, but at 16 and 18, he walked away from our family life and he walked away from... God, does it sadden me? Desperately. Do I pray for him? Absolutely. Do I believe that there'll be a turnaround? I have to believe it. And when I don't, this is the verse that I cling to in Mark 9, 24. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Keep praying for your kids. Keep praying for them. Keep hoping for them. Keep believing for them. Parents that are here today with your children in church, keep bringing them. You know, we've already had the announcement that we have a great kids kids and students program. Encourage your kids to be there. When we came to Arena, the boys were 13 and 15, and we remember saying to them, oh, it's Arena students tonight, and we're going to bring you to it. Did they want to come? No, they didn't. And we had a few weeks where they didn't want to. And in the end, we were like, do you know what, guys, tonight you're going. And so we drove them. We dropped them off. We made sure they were okay. And as I drove home, I had tears in my eyes because I felt like I'd brought them to a place they didn't want to be. But it was a good decision. They loved it. And what was more important is they started to connect and they started to make friends. Can you see what can happen when you bring your children, when you encourage them? They then get connections with friends. Be connected as a family. Be connected in the things you do. Try eating together. Make time to be together. Bring them to church. Encourage connections with friends in church. Encourage a connection to Jesus. You know, my brain, if for those who know me, works in a really ordered way. And so this feels a little bit strange. But I want to end my message today with something that Tim and I would make our first priority. You see, we consistently communicated that our family would make God our first priority. And we would be connected to him in all things. How? By seeking God first in everything. Matthew 6, 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. What else did we do? We committed to trusting God in everything. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 was our family verse for trusting. And it's on the screen. And then we made sure we spent time with God. When they were little, we did Bible stories and prayer time. As they grow up, we continue to do that or to encourage them to do that. And we endeavoured to live our, out our family verse, Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It was a double combination. We taught it and we lived it. Kids will sniff out hypocrisy. 
So there's no point in me saying to Jack and Ben, hey, read your Bibles, if they never see me reading mine. There's no point saying, we trust in God, and then when tough stuff comes, I'm talking about doubting God. Can you see? You trust in him. So my prayer today, and my hope for parents and for families, is that you will lean into some of these practical tips, that you'll take the Bible verses and apply them into your lives, so that you're able to say, look, just like John did in the Bible, 3 John 4, I have no greater joy than my children walk in the truth. Relationships, families, children. Be consistent. Keep communicating. Make time to connect. Prioritize God. Seek him. Trust him. And spend time with him. Do you know, these are some things that Tim and I have found have worked in our family. And all I'm saying is, give them a go. Give them a go. Make sure, though, your parenting coincides with God's guidance. Keep connected to Jesus. He will help you. He will guide you. Lean into that instruction manual, the Bible. It's your guidance, it's your encouragement, and it's your wisdom. Connect. Communicate. Be consistent. I wonder if you'll all just bow your heads for me. And just close your eyes. I mentioned within the message that we all have an opportunity to be a child of God. You know, he is a loving father. He is a dependable father. And actually, when we choose to accept Jesus into our lives, he gives us everything that we need as a parent. He empowers us, he enables us. And so for people today that can't say, that they are a child of God, that they've never said, Jesus, come into my life to help me and to guide me. I want to give people an opportunity to do that right now. Just while everybody has their heads bowed and their eyes closed, I'm going to pray. And you can pray this prayer in your heart. And then afterwards, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand so that I can see you and I can pray for you. Lord, there will be people in here that have never... Um, had a father that is reliable, available, trustworthy, but you are that father. And you sent your son to die for each and every one of us. And you died to forgive us of all the things that we've done wrong. And so, Lord, I just say right now, for people that have never accepted you into their lives, that this is their time. And if that's you, just pray this prayer in your heart. Lord, I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord and my Saviour from this day onwards. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, if you just raise your hand for me so that I can see you. Thank you. I see you. You know, and I want to pray as well for parents in here. I'm going to be really honest. I carried the weight of this message because I didn't want you to think that I'd got it all right because I hadn't. 
There were times where I needed to come close to God and say sorry when I made mistakes. There were times when I needed to lean into him all the more for help in parenting. And so, Lord, I pray right now for parents in here. Lord, if they're sitting there thinking they've done things wrong, help them to know that you forgive them. And Lord, right now, for parents in here, I ask that you will give them the strength that they need to be amazing parents. Lord, help them to take away those points of being consistent in love and in discipline. Make communicating a priority and connecting too. Thank you that you are a loving father and you help us day by day that we get to seek you and trust you in all your ways. Amen. Amen. Great message. Great to have the, that challenge of parenting. It is a challenge. Parenting is challenging. There's no doubt about it. Have we got it right all the time? Absolutely not. Do we try to be consistent? Do we try to communicate? Do we try to remain connected? Absolutely. And that's all we can do with reliance on him as he helps us through this journey of parenting. Well, that was a great message. I hope you've enjoyed that. And if you responded today in faith, we want to invite you on to your next steps. Um, Ian and Dot are over there at the prayer point. They would love to pray for you. Uh, and similarly, if you want prayer over your parenting or, or whatever it is, maybe there's something else that's on your heart that you've carried in and you need to lay before the throne of God and you just need some, somebody just to, to pray over you, go and, go and visit those guys. They, they want to do that. Don't leave this place without being prayed for because prayer makes a difference. And of course, if you did make that step of faith and you haven't got a Bible, we want to give you a Bible. We want to set you out on your next step. So please, please don't go without being prayed for. We want to thank you for your continued faithfulness in giving in this church. You know, we are a generous church. And what we get to do in this community and within the life of this church is do an amazing work through and what we do. We see change. We see difference made all around this town and beyond. We get to see people helped. We get to see people just come to, to a sense of joy knowing that we're looking out for and we're caring for. So thank you for your giving. And I know a lot of us do that online so please continue to to do that but if you do need to do that in a physical way please use the container at the door on your way out why don't you stand to your feet does anybody got a song left in them if one or two of us do that's great because we're about to praise one more time come on team let's go
this today. We hope you've enjoyed the service. Remember, the word of the God, Lord does not return void, okay? So be encouraged with that. Whatever it is that you're facing in this week, whatever it is you're facing in your family life, through your children's lives, whatever it is, the word of the Lord does not return void. Be encouraged with whatever's sown in them is still in there. It might just need to come back to fruition. So God bless you in this week, next week. Don't forget teas and coffees downstairs. And we will see you next week.